1: this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Basically. I'm your host Stephanie Preisner, and today's episode is a contentious one in some circles. It is about breastfeeding and joining me to talk about it is you might know her from Instagram, Nicola Lactation Consultant. is Nicola O'Byrne, who is a lactation consultant. Nicola, welcome to the studio. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. <laughs> um, so, I was just saying before we were recording, like, where do you even start with this one? I, So, I was pregnant and I really wanted to breastfeed, but I, you know, I didn't know too much about it. And I kind of just thought, well, it's a natural thing, so it'll just happen and it'll be fine. And that was not the case, so that I came to see you. So where where do you think is helpful to start for people?
1: Uh well I I definitely think that you should put some amount of preparation into um what breastfeeding might be like for you before you have your baby, because if you can pinpoint some issues beforehand, that can make things much easier. Mm-hmm. You're not starting from way back, discovering things as you go along. And from that what I what I mean is um obviously there's a baby and there's the mother. Yeah. <laughs> and the mum the mother's breasts. Um I am gonna talk a lot about breasts and nipples in this, Stephanie, okay?
0: That's absolutely fine. <laughs> I'm well used to it now. You're well used to it, aren't you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um knowing the shape of your breasts, knowing everybody has um most of their breasts are different sizes or they've more milk on one side than the other. And dare I say it, even nipple position. I think what I say to the mothers in my antenatal class is stand in front of the mirror, look and see, are they both the same? Sisters not twins is one of the things that yeah. we will you'll hear us talking about. Um that your breasts are sisters, they're not the same. And where does the nipple rest on each side? Because if it's different, you're more likely to have problems on one side than on the other.
0: And is there a case of like a certain position? Is going to cause a difficulty or
1: um no, not really. It's more that where you put the baby. Okay. Like if you think <laughs> here we go. If you think your nipples are right in the centre of your breast and you try and put the baby on there, yeah. Not only is the baby trying to suckle and get the milk, it's also trying to hang on.
0: Yes, okay, right. So okay. this
1: is one of the most common problems that I see is that people where they put their baby when they're starting feeding. Okay, and most so th- of the time it's much lower.
0: Yes, so I had come to you, um I had never heard about colostrum harvesting mm-hmm. and I came to you because I just wanted to get ahead of it, and I wanted to know I basically didn't want to be handed a baby and also being trying to figure out how to breastfeed all at the same time and obviously, there's only so much you can plan for because when it does arrive, you know it's it's all a new experience, and they do have to find and learn how to latch, so you can only be so prepared. But I felt really prepared um talk to me about the colostrum piece because that's the first kind of thing that you do
1: yeah so colostrum is the first milk that you have from about 16 weeks of pregnancy and what we have discovered is that if you remove it near to term near just in a couple of weeks before you have your baby that it replenishes to the same amount again yes um and that's a really handy thing because you can store that and freeze it and then if there are any issues in the first few days of feeding, you can give that to the baby. It kind of is a little bit of an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. Now, before I say more about it, not everybody can do it. It's not safe for some people to do it. Mm -hmm. If you have a history of bleeding in pregnancy or preterm labor or anything, it's absolutely not advised then. Mm -hmm. And in one of the big Australian studies, they found that one in five women didn't get anything when they did
0: it. Okay. Well, and that not mean Oh yeah.
1: Th- yeah. That didn't mean they didn't have milk yes. later on. It just meant that they didn't get colostrum.
0: And does that is the first milk that the baby mm. would drink in that case is that colostrum? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So
1: for the first forty eight hours colostrum is present and then depending on lots of factors, yeah. <laughs> the term is the milk comes in, but really all that happens is that more water is drawn into the colostrum and okay. it becomes more dilute and sometimes then as we know about breastfeeding it changes from day to day and from feed to feed the milk depending on what depending they need. on what you what you're giving the baby and what the baby is coming in contact with yeah
0: so i started harvesting colostrum from about 36 or 37 weeks i can't remember now and it gave me such confidence like the first now the first time i did it it was like Like there'd be more, a drop of condensation (laughs) on the side of your glass would be more significant than what I got. And you're there with a little syringe trying to suck it up. But eventually, like a little bit more comes and you get the hang of it a little bit more. And we were able to store all of that, which was great because I did have issues with my milk when, after Rory was Mm -hmm. born. Is it the case that after a C-section, your milk might not come in as quickly or you might have more issues?
1: Well, you see, this is one of the, I think, one of the issues all around breastfeeding is that such generic things are said, like, you know, oh, if you have a section, your milk will be late coming in. Mm -hmm. My experience is that if you have a section because of an emergency, say you had a hemorrhage or your baby got into difficulty and it was like, you know, red lights up to Mm theatre and you lost a lot of blood, then yes, physiologically, as in like in your body, everything will happen slower. Mm -hmm. But if you're having an elective section, which is just it's planned and you go in, everything goes straight forward. You feed your baby lots mm-hmm. in those early days. It isn't really any different. Yeah. So it depends on the reason for the section.
0: There's an awful lot of like in the hospital where I had Aurora, they, you know, they. She said to me at one point she had lost more than 10 percent of her body weight. And they said, look, she's not getting you you Mm -hmm. need to feed her every two hours now. Um, And that means, by the way, like so you start feeding her at 10 o'clock. It takes about 40 minutes to feed her. It's 20 to 11. Then you have to settle her back to sleep. Then it's 11 o'clock and you have to feed her again at 12. It's not like two hours from when she's asleep. So that was grueling. And then they weighed her again and she had lost more weight even with all that feeding. So that was how they knew that she wasn't getting enough for me. And we had to supplement her with a bottle. Um, and they, i remember the midwife saying to me, "Cowgate Aptamil or Cowgate Aptamil or SMA," and I was like, "Well, what's what's the difference?" She was like, "We're we're we're a pro breastfeeding hospital, so I can't really talk about it." I was <laughs> like, well, "But you're making me—you're making me take this <laughs> like and, <a> menu," <laughs> and then I was like, "Okay, well, the last one you said was Aptamil, so we'll go with that." Now she's not on that anymore, but like, what? I understand that there are so many benefits to breastfeeding, but I think it puts a lot of women who then can't breastfeed for whatever mm-hmm. reason, under a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think um, that expectations are very, very high around breastfeeding. For um, There is, yes, there is pressure put on women. Sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's not intentional. Um, but what I would really like to see happening is that people are encouraged to breastfeed, but that... It's not all about exclusive breastfeeding. It's not all about breastfeeding for two years, uh-huh. because like in today's world, that's just not gonna not gonna work for a lot of people. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why women are so cross and people who are very anti-breastfeeding probably is they've had an experience where they it felt really and ashamed and they felt let down. And but people don't blame women don't blame the other people. They blame themselves. And uh-huh. um, so like I think. I get a lot of queries about combination feeding, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, either by choice that somebody is going to mix breastfeeding with formula or somebody's going to express milk and give the baby milk, um, express breast milk or um, that they're going to intentionally. So they're either they have to do it because there's an issue or they're intentionally going to mix feed. Yeah. And what's your advice to those people? It's a tricky one. Yeah, (laughs) because... um, you, it's, I, I, I get people asking me this in, when they're pregnant and it's really a wait and see because you don't know how much milk that mother's going to make, mm-hmm. how easily she's going to make it or you know and so the first couple of weeks of breastfeeding are it's a real kind of a time when you really see what's going to you know what way a mother's going to make milk and you know mm-hmm. some people will have milk pouring out of them, mm-hmm. other people will find it hard to get up to a full supply they'll get there but mm-hmm when they're there they have to feed the baby every two hours and that's just too much for some people yeah so you know I think though
0: <laughs> So but if someone has like milk flowing out of them but they still want a combination feed
1: they got to be very careful because you know they if they have this great big milk supply and they're adding in other other milk they're going to be very full they put themselves at risk of engorgement and blocked ducts and mm-hmm. then the dreaded mastitis Yeah I've had it we'll get to that <laughs> oh um, Yeah so you know it, it, it is very individual the advice and you know so I know you had lots of questions Questions came in, yeah. um, when you ask people for questions about about the podcast, and and um, you know, I'd need to have <laughs> a full history from everybody to give them the right advice for them.
0: And obviously, if the advice is tailored to each individual, and you're a private lactation consultant, that's fine. People can come and see you if mm-hmm. they want to. But what breastfeeding support is available to people yeah. when 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 the baby arrives and they have decided, okay, I want to breastfeed? You know, we see statistics that like a dramatic number of people try to breastfeed, but they don't leave the hospital breastfeeding. And I feel like that's because of a lack of
1: support. Yeah, it's about a lack of a lack of actual people on the ground. Mm -hmm. So many mothers would benefit from just somebody sitting with them and showing them through a whole feed not just you know How they go latch. put the baby on now and then they're gone yeah but and when the baby's feeding when the baby's kind of stopping when they need to change sides that's such a that's a gift actually mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to get somebody to sit with you and somebody who knows what's happening um like you learn so much just from from that alone and this isn't you know like obviously there is people in the hospitals who don't particularly like breastfeeding but the majority of midwives love Breastfeeding, they just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. They don't have the input and the time. It does take a lot of one-to-one, and um, and you know, and empowering the mother herself to be able to do it. Um, nobody was ever supposed to breastfeed on their
0: own oh. And where was where does the pumping come into it then? The pumping.
1: Oh, so well, if you were having issues in the early days, so if, you know, in the hospital your baby wasn't feeding well or baby didn't latch or had lost weight like Rory had, um, more than the recommended amount. Yes, they all <laughs> um, lose weight, yeah. The first thing that we do is we would recommend p- trying to pump milk. So the hierarchy kind of is a mother's own milk, a mother's pumped milk, donor milk and then formula. Right, so okay. they are kind of the steps down. Yeah. Um, so pumping may happen in the early days to stimulate milk supply, um, or later on if mothers want to give their baby milk if they're going away, or they want to have some milk in the freezer, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, or somebody's going back to work, or somebody wants to go to the hairdressers and they would prefer to
0: go on their own. Yes. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. All the reasons you know that you you hear. And so, I was it was suggested to me that I pump to build up my supply and. I pumped and I pumped and I pumped and I pumped and I pumped, and and nothing came out. Like not not a single thing. But Rory was feeding and she was getting something, so she was able to get milk out. But the pump wasn't, Mm -hmm. and it made me think like, is there anything in there at all? But obviously there was because she'd drink for me and then wouldn't need a bottle.
1: Yeah. So that's because a baby uses two ways to breastfeed: they suck and they also compress. mm -hmm. The pump only uses one. So that you know, you'll hear people saying a baby is different to a pump. Yes. Um and that's why Rory was getting milk. Okay. Because she was using her jaw as well as using suction, whereas the pump only uses suction.
0: I understand. Okay. Now
1: that doesn't mean that a a baby's always better than a pump. If Rory was a really strong, vigorous baby yeah. and was well able to get the milk when you know when it was there whereas some of the babies might be weaker yes, and, and in those can, cases you need to you use a pump. pump
0: and so I heard a lot about building up a supply. Is yeah. there a way to reduce a supply?
1: <laughs> yes. So have? how you reduce supply is, do you know it's nearly harder to reduce supply than it is to build it sometimes. Right, okay. Well. <laughs> building it is hard, let me tell <laughs> well, you. I know, yeah. I think the mothers who have oversupply, like true oversupply, it, it's very difficult. Yeah. Because there isn't a lot, you'll hear about a lot of, you know, things like herbs and, uh, and other stuff and I have never really seen any of them work. Yeah. The only way to bring down the milk supply is to leave milk behind, to let the breasts fill up a little bit, and um, so that they stay full. Okay. And that's how you bring it down slowly and safely. So that Quite can take a long time. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because I have been so I got mastitis about two weeks ago maybe more and then I was on antibiotics and Rory was still breastfeeding and then she got thrush in her mouth and then so then we were treating that and then I was like this is such a rigmarole and I was ready to like she was getting really frustrated at the breast because my supply was so low and she's in a growth spurt getting hungrier so I was like okay let's stop the breastfeeding so we I I thought that I had no supply so I could just stop but then like by that evening I was like oh my god I'm really sore like and I also have my so I had to keep feeding her and slowly 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 we've started to like reduce yes. the feeds she's less interested in it and like, we had a feed this morning which was the kind of the first one where I wasn't uncomfortable if she hadn't taken it so I don't know where we're at with that but is it possible to build back a supply mm-hmm. from nothing Yes. like if you if you stop for a number of weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's called relactation. Right. So, yes, you could just start feeding again. I don't know like whether that's what you want no, to no do. No, 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 I'm just wondering so sometimes people stop feeding or they bring their feeding right down to one feed a day and then a couple of weeks later they go, "Oh, I wish I hadn't done that." And they just put the baby back on. Right. <laughs> and your body starts to make the milk again for um, how long your breast milk cells have memory in them like that's... before they fully die off they actually do like die off yeah. between pregnancies Okay, um, but before they fully do that for about 90 days it's quite easy to bring it back that's crazy um, isn't it in fact like I'm now 54 <laughs> yeah. and I breastfed my five kids I could relactate if I needed to <laughs>
0: That's bananas by just putting a baby to the breast. Well, putting a baby to the breast or pumping. Thing.
1: Yeah, and sometimes there's medications that can enhance it all. But yeah, my public health nurse was like, try motilium. Yeah, now you know it's not the first port of call. Yeah. But <laughs> no, the sorry. first port of call would be you know your your uh, your pump or your baby.
0: Yes, you yeah, stimulate yeah. the milk. You stimulate the milk. Yeah, but it did work. It, it 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 does I think help it was with one people of the reasons, who have low supply. But I think it. It was one of the reasons I got mastitis then, because I didn't think it was working, and then I had too much, and then whatever.
1: Well, this is always somebody who doesn't have, you know, a, a full supply. They're always really shocked when they get mastitis. It's like this is this. Yeah, is because just you're already so
0: dealing with the trauma of not being able to feed your child, and then you get mastitis. It's not fair at all. Yeah. We'll move on to some of the questions because people okay. have um, lots of questions. <laughs> This is, I'll keep them anonymous because sometimes people like to be anonymous. How to deal with pressure from ward staff to pump slash top up after delivery? Mm -hmm. No IBCLC support offered.
1: Okay, so one of the IBCLC is a lactation consultant and all of our hospitals don't have enough lactation consultants. Some of them don't even have one. Right. I think though in the last year or two that might have changed a little bit. Um, How to deal with pressure about top ups. So I hear this all the time from mothers saying, you know, like that if their babies are unsettled, that they're told that, you know, the baby needs some extra milk and just to give the baby a bottle. Um, and what I advise them to do in the class is to use an acronym called BRAIN, which is, you know, benefits, risks, um, intuition alternatives and um, do nothing. Mm -hmm. So it just takes the heat out of the situation. There are times when the baby
0: absolutely does need to have some extra fluids. Because I said that to my one, I was like, I don't want a bottle. And she was like, if you don't take a bottle, we have to call a paediatrician. She has dropped below and I was like, all oh, right, okay, so this is, this, <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a different situation. So
1: the first thing generally you do in that situation is say, okay, can, can I give the baby some express milk? Can I try expressing? You know, give me 15 minutes and I will express and give the baby some colostrum. Mm-hmm. Hand expression in the first day or two and then it, you could use a pump then after that. If that doesn't work, then and the baby still isn't doing okay blood sugars are low or whatever then the it is the recommendation that the baby would have formula
0: now we were able to avoid all of this for mm-hmm. days because i had so much colostrum because you had colostrum so yeah. if you do harvest colostrum beforehand mm-hmm. it does give you that bit of time
1: uh, yeah and and i also wanted to say that it if you do give formula in the hospital that doesn't mean that you can't breastfeed. Uh-huh. A lot of people think that's it. It's gone out the window. I did in my first baby. I thought, oh, that's it. I've given formula now. Breastfeeding's gone. Uh-huh. Um, but it isn't. It just means you know that y- you you don't give too much. You give a small amount. You go back to breastfeeding. Uh-huh. Um, you try not give it in a bottle. You try and give it another way so that the baby doesn't get mixed up between the two. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's more just you know. It's not the first solution that should be.
0: Just taking a break from my podcast to tell you about another podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. If you're a fan of RuPaul's Emmy Award winning series, RuPaul's Drag Race, then this is the podcast for you. It's called Sissy That Pod and it's hosted by Keanu Sullivan. And it recaps each episode of the series and it delves into like the really nitty gritty bits of each challenge, performances, the feuds that come up. It goes on week by week. And if you like RuPaul's Drag Race, it's a must listen. Sissy That Pod is a reaction podcast to all things RuPaul's Drag Race. You may have seen the memes or you may have seen the queens, but if you watch the show, then you're going to want to listen to Sissy That Pod. Every week after the TV show airs, we have a new episode with a new guest analysing, speculating and dissecting the show. Who's going to win Snatch Game? Will there be a lip-sync Who's going to be crowned Miss Congeniality? These are all big questions in our world. I'm currently covering Drag Race Season 15 with our extra special guest host, comedian and actress Erin McGaffey. So, in the words of Shania Twain, come on over and come on in to the world of Sissy That Pod, wherever you get your podcasts, or on Headstuff Plus. Do you want to say more about the, the not giving it in the bottle? I'm sure people are thinking about the supplementary.
1: Yeah, so the um, not giving it in a bottle. What I, w- bottles are, are what we call free flowing. Mm-hmm. Your breast doesn't really free flow. <laughs> yeah. The baby has to suck and and initiate the milk to flow. And so when babies get lots of bottles, they kind of see you know easier option. Of course, they're yeah. going to want the easier option. And sometimes then when they go back to the breast,
0: it's too much effort.
1: Yeah, and and they start to fuss. They start to pull back away. And you know when they don't want to latch on, um, they latch on and they come off. Mm-hmm. And that's what's called nipple confusion or flow confusion, isn't other word that we'd use quite a lot so you in the first couple of days generally absolutely avoid bottles give the baby the extra feed by a dropper with a spoon people use syringes to get the baby to suck their finger and put the little syringe of milk in at the side of it Mm -hmm. just so that you're not overdoing it
0: and is that only if you really intend to continue breastfeeding or if if you like if you feel like you know there's a question here about how to combination feed Mm -hmm. from the start is that a valid option and in that case how do you combination feed without causing nipple confusion if you know that they're going to be taking a bottle you take it very easy for the first few weeks. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you you prioritize breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd can const- you you know you'd start the bottles, but you give a very slow flow. You'd use a method called paste bottle feeding, yeah. which mim- mimics breastfeeding. Um, there's a video on my Instagram about how to do it yeah. on the highlights. Um, and so the thing, if you want a combination feed, is if you go too far with the formula, breastfeeding will go. Yeah. So you have to be very measured about how much you use.
0: Yeah we had to do it and I so my thing was I put Rory to the breast every two hours first and then she'd drink until she kind of got frustrated and was still hungry then we'd give her like maybe 30 Mm -hmm. mils and then put her back to the breast and then like we just kept doing it like that until until she ended up being satisfied it meant that the feeds were really long but it did you know I kept my supply up for 20 weeks Yes and,
1: and you know in the beginning feeds do take up to an hour yeah. You know, it's another thing that people maybe don't realize that when you're feeding in the first week or two, each feed can take an hour versus a couple of weeks later. Feeding is so fast. We say it's like driving a car. When you start to drive first, it's no clue what you're doing and yeah. you're all these things you have to remember. Um, like, do you remember, like, even just the positioning and all of oh, that yeah. when I was doing that with you? And now you just fling her on. Yeah, now <laughs> you, don't you don't even have to. to <laughs> you don't have to do. I she'll
0: just find it. Yeah. Herself. And how long did it take for her to do that? Um, it was pretty quick actually. You know, yeah. like at the start, first of all, at the start, you're so I'm so f- cautious of holding her. You know, I'm like yeah. I'm gonna break her, but they're fairly sturdy, <laughs> and you know, I was trying to hold her. I don't know. I think. My image, you know, the way like you cradle a baby in your arms and they're kind of looking at the ceiling. Yeah. So you'd be doing that and then she'd turn her head to the breast. But actually, I had to turn her whole body Uh. towards me. So like we were chest to chest almost. And then she was able to feed much more efficiently.
1: Yeah. So you were turning her in tummy to mummy. Yes. And 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 also the other thing that I do with a lot of women is that if they're holding the baby in the cradle of their arm, that they need to move their arm across their body. Yes. You know, you're not going to feed your baby in your armpit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which because is, if your elbow's
0: too far from your body, their head yeah. is in the wrong place.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's, it's very much about, a lot of people talk about the latch, but if you think more position, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's
0: really important in the early days. Um, and then, but then my nipples got so sore, f- it, kind of three days in, I think it's pretty typical. Yeah. Um, and then kind of holding her like a rugby ball kind of under my mm-hmm. arm next to me, that really helped. I have another text here that says, um, is it okay to keep breastfeeding throughout pregnancy and does milk always dry up? during pregnancy.
1: Um yes it is okay to feed through a pregnancy and no it doesn't always dry up. Okay. Sometimes for the majority of people it probably does go right down. For some people it'll go back to the classroom phase. Okay. And if your toddler is happy and doesn't bother them at all, they'll they'll continue feeding. Okay. Um but yeah, absolutely. And you know there's lots of um lots of groups out there that'll help you, that'll support you when you're feeding. Tandem feeding, which is feeding to a baby and and a toddler, yeah. or feeding through pregnancy. I'm um, like literally could you friends are breastfeeding, and um, your public health nurse. There's also the HSC um, live that. online lactation consultants a couple of times a week, so there is help out there.
0: It's just um, finding it. It's finding it and knowing it. what the appropriate help that you need is. And so, if you're breastfeeding through pregnancy, so say, is the milk. For a newborn, the same as the milk for the toddler. So say you're feeding a toddler and you're pregnant, and the toddler's happy out drinking, and okay, it turns to colostrum. is that is that milk for the newborn? Is yeah. there going to be enough for both of them? So the priority
1: BCG? is always that you feed the newborn first. Right. So, you know, my experience with people who are tandem feeding is that they have a lot of milk. Um. Yes, it goes back to colostrum and the newborn gets the colostrum. So does the toddler. Yes, OK. Um, there hasn't been a lot of studies done on tandem feeding, although we did... There was one last year, I think it was from Bristol, um, where they looked at the constituents of, you know, milk that was tandem fed. Mm-hmm. And they found
0: that it was it was definitely you towards know geared newborn. towards the newborn and what about feeding twins yeah
1: Do you, does okay. your body
0: just know that you had twins and makes enough so I love
1: this because <laughs> twins um, look like if you're, if you're breastfeeding if you're going to breastfeed twins you absolutely need to have a plan you need to know yeah. um, what you know what what's involved and mm-hmm. um, if you've breastfed before generally easier because you have an idea if mm-hmm. it's your first babies well you know I would say definitely do prep and um, so feeding twins can be the best thing because obviously if you can feed the two together that's great you know gonna you have your time feed two of them together, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so from the moment you're pregnant your body knows that you are making milk for twins but okay. the the hormone levels that rise to grow your milk tissue are higher when mm-hmm. you're expecting twins, so your body already knows with triplets as well. So it's going to produce more milk cells. Okay, great. To make more milk. That's fab. It My is pretty bodies cool. Bodies amazing. <laughs> like,
0: and if you have like, so I have insufficient glandular tissue. If I were to be pregnant again, would I have the same issues again, or does it? Do you get more. more you'd likely have more milk next time. time. So I would look at you know 20, nearly twenty years doing this now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. I've looked after mothers with IGT low milk supply throughout all their pregnancies and found that some of them they always make more milk each time. Right, okay. How much more depends so on the So it what might not be still a full was. supply. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say an awful lot
0: of them actually by the third or fourth baby. And um, we definitely going there. <laughs> um, so. Someone here is saying that their their IGT wasn't diagnosed until baby three, despite working with an IBCLC no. on two previous pregnancies. Yeah, look, it, that's you know, I I think that's that's
1: such a letdown to use a breastfeeding term, <laughs> um, for you know, for somebody, um, I think one of the things that I started to do after a while after I started. You know, I think when you do my job, you see more problems. You don't yes. see people coming because they're happy, Yeah. <laughs> um, is looking at the breast shape. And if somebody is doing an antenatal check with you, they really need to look at your breasts, not in a bra, just straight on so they can check the thing. Palpating them as well can really help see how much tissue is there.
0: Can you describe for us? what you would see in breasts that you might want, worry might have IGT?
1: Generally it's all you know you, you've taken a history and you know that there was something that may have caused it like a hormonal issue like thyroid or polycystic ovaries or something Um, and then you would ask the mother about her breast growth in pregnancy. Most mothers will say that they didn't really do much at all. They may have maybe just you know um got slightly bigger but that they didn't feel like they they took off yes know? yeah Um, and then there are physical signs that we would see which is a very wide space between the breasts and the amount of tissue in each part of the breast okay um, saying that you know you can meet somebody who has very you know a lot of red flags and they go on to do brilliantly okay. Um, so it's never an absolute you know because you have those signs that it means you're not going to
0: yeah Um. This is someone saying, I never produced any breast milk at all. Do you have any ideas why I'm trying for a second baby now? I would say
1: absolutely go to see a lactation consultant beforehand. Have a plan. Um, can, when somebody comes to see me before they have their baby, if they have any red flags, I'll contact the lactation consultant in the hospital. Yeah. Um, so it's in their chart that they know that this is somebody who's going to need that extra bit of assistance. Yeah. Um, it's really unusual not to produce any breast milk at all I mean I haven't seen I've seen it very very rarely Yeah. so that's definitely something that needs to be flagged beforehand
0: so it may have been like a low supply issue or like not necessarily like there may be some milk there that she could
1: yes yeah find. I mean, generally yeah. there's always something but you, um, you'd really need to talk to, to, to talk that to that woman and just see what, what, what
0: her history is um, someone here is saying why do lactation consultants not recommend nipple shields that's not true. It feels like a pointed <laughs> question. We don't. We do all the time.
1: Yeah. I often say to people, you know, um, uh, you know, if you followed me around for a week, you'd really see, you know, why. The full gamut. Yeah, like why we use nipple shields. Why we sometimes are saying, yeah, you need to use some formula here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, nipple shields are a tool that can help people get their baby to the breast and i personally feel it's not personal there's evidence there yeah. that a baby's better at the breastfeeding than not being at the breast at all okay um there are certain i think very loud voices that will say that you know all babies can breastfeed and every baby can find their way around inverted nipples flat nipples you know babies who may have a tongue tie mm-hmm. all of that um but our experience, and I know a lot of my colleagues feel the same, yeah. is that a properly fitting nipple shield can make the difference. Good
0: We have a question here that says, when can I start pumping so that my partner can give a bottle, I'm currently pregnant?
1: So all going well, when you have your breastfeeding established, which is generally three or four weeks, when you can sit in the chair and you haven't got to be, you know, kind of um, pulling the cushions in and thinking about it. You could at that stage, if you wanted, to pump a little bit every day um, and your partner can can help them with, with the bottle. Some people breastfeed for six months, they never go near a bottle or a bump. Other Mm -hmm. people want to do it and I am all about choice. (laughs) So if you want to do that,
0: know what you're doing. Another question here is saying that they suspect IGT and they want to prep for a second baby. I think the answer is see a lactation consultant. Um, Mm -hmm. Still painful at 4.5 months. Every check has been clear what to do. I'm really keen to continue. Oh my
1: goodness. Yeah. Okay, so majority of the time when somebody is still having pain at 4 to 5 months, the first thing I would say is... What shape is your nipple when it comes out of the baby's mouth? Is it, is it compressed? So we need to find out, is this the way the baby's sucking or is this something about your nerve endings in your nipple? Mm-hmm. And you can also have a thing called what's called vasospasm, which is where the nipple um, goes white. Right. And it's like, you know when people have very very sore fingers during the cold? Yeah. So that can happen with the nipples as well. Okay. And it's intensely painful. It's like burning between feeds. Um And it's possible. Most of the time when I've seen pain at that stage... That's, That's what it is, and it's always been everybody has been looking at the baby, whereas if you watch what's happening with the mother,
0: um, would it be a good idea to like video your nipples after a feed and then make a lactation like make an appointment with a lactation consultant? Because sometimes you go to these consultations and there's nothing happening at the moment, you know. <laughs> the babies hang you. The, yeah, <laughs> they're making a liar out of you.
1: Um. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. I mean, I I I'm literally you know sitting kind of below the mother watching everything I don't think they know that <laughs> I'm watching as much as I am
0: <laughs> um, I have a good few questions that are the same basically like how to stop and how to give a bottle how to reduce the, the combined feeding to just formula
1: Yeah. so you know this was uh, another I suppose thing that I really felt that the information wasn't out there about mm-hmm. how do you stop you know, lots about how to start, but nothing about how to stop. In other words, like, you know, that's not, <laughs> we don't want you to know. Yeah. <laughs> so I started a course which has been really popular. It's an online course and it's how to stop. And the first time I did it, I thought, oh, you know, um, what I was really interesting was a lot of the people who did the course didn't want to stop. They just wanted to know how to do it. Yes. They wanted the information. To, yeah. So generally what you do is you bring down your feet slowly. The slower you stop, the easier it is on you and the baby. Yes. And so you won't that's what I to won't me. get my Yes. I stop too quickly. <laughs> um so either cutting your feet short or knocking out a particular feed and replacing that. If your baby's younger than, say, six, seven, eight months, you'd replace it with a bottle. Mm-hmm. If the baby was older and established on salads, salads, solids. <laughs> or both. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then you could, Um. you wouldn't need to replace it with a bottle. So it's kind of just making a plan and bringing it down slowly. It would take, you know, to go from full milk, if you weren't on solids and you were stopping, Okay. Mm-hmm. so if your baby was exclusively breastfed, like it really takes two to three weeks and yeah. that's going fast yeah. because it's not just the baby who has to adapt. It's also you, the and hormones, all yeah. of that. Um, so slowly and easy. And at any stage, what I find happens with a lot of mothers is they get to two or three feeds a day and they go, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stay feeding. And they people don't realize and this is like going back to work as well, that you can you can feed to, twice a day, morning and evening and still be breastfeeding.
0: But and if you, like so, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I don't actually mind doing a morning breastfeed and an evening breastfeed. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like, is is it different because I have low supply? That like, there's not. It depends. Sometimes like, I have to do a lot of work to keep it up all day. Yeah, and that if I stop doing that work, then I can't just do morning and evening. You know.
1: I think that some people, if they have low supply. There's a certain point where it just plummets when yes. there's a certain level of milk. Other people, as long as the breast has been stimulated, they'll keep making it. And it's less about the amount of milk now at this stage anyway, isn't it? It's more about
0: the connection. Yeah. And, you know, that it's good. But the connection is not there when she's on the breast and she's frustrated. And she's fussy. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like that's why I was just what I was stopping because I was like, she's not enjoying this. There's mm-hmm. not enough there there's no, we're not getting any benefits out of this. She's not even getting enough milk, you know that. And so if she was enjoying it, absolutely, I'd keep going. Yeah. But when there's not enough milk there, she's actually just annoyed by it.
1: OK, yeah. It's, so it's 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 about, you know, making sure that she is not ravenously hungry. Yes. Oh, and, no, no. She's and, she's and you know, and, and a lot of people maybe might try feeding when the baby was sleepy. Just you know that they wouldn't be a lot of babies wouldn't object as much. Yeah, I do, um, and I still, and I still yeah. do that
0: night feed, but I don't know how much he's getting. It's more just kind of suckling. Um, this is another question. I'm breastfeeding my 15 month old, and I'm losing weight. He won't take anything from a bottle. What can she do?
1: Uh, he Increase definitely doesn't need to take a bottle at 15 months. Um, he probably. I think that two things the mother should go to her GP and get checked get bloods done Um, and also then if she feels that the baby isn't taking off on on food then see a pediatric dietitian to do a consult with somebody because it's not so much breastfeeding there yes okay. you know it's more that the is losing weight and the baby isn't starting on solids yes. so it's not breastfeeding that's the problem it's yes, the okay. other things aren't coming in
0: I understand three weeks breastfeeding when do boobs stop getting full and painful engorged in between feeds
1: oh hopefully soon well, you know um f- So sometimes if you're leaving too long between your feeds, it might seem like I can't feed anymore than I am. But frequent, frequent small feeds are better for keeping them comfortable. There is a technique that you can do called lymphatic drainage, which where you massage and use cold compresses on the breasts. But you do a very light massage back up into the lymph nodes. And that can be really soothing Mm -hmm. if your breasts are full and sore. I had a when
0: I had mastitis and it was really soothing. Did you yeah. 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 And lymphatic massage.
1: Yeah. So in other countries like in when I started here first, I used to get phone calls from people um from Eastern Europe who would say, Do you do breast massage? Yeah. And I go, oh, No, I don't like yeah. hey, what do you think I am? And um and then I realised that they actually have people who are qualified and all the mothers in these countries would have routine breast massage mm-hmm. to keep their breasts healthy. It's also Russian the Russians would do a lot and Japanese.
0: Oh wow. Um, how do you wean an 11 month old who is breastfed on demand with no set schedule for feeding you ask for help
1: yeah that's <laughs> okay. a big one um, so weaning an 11 month old is kind of you know it's not a toddler and it's not a younger one so you need to replace the um, breastfeeds it's, it's, sometimes it's a matter of having a discussion with your partner and deciding when you're not going to feed the baby and then they need to step in because we all know that, you know, when a toddler wants to breastfeed, none will stop them, you yeah. know, you, um, as in like they will pin you down. Yeah. <laughs> um. so I, I would ask for help with from from partner or family just so that you can have times that you're not um feeding the baby and then make the times longer.
0: Yes. OK gaps yeah. Um. my nipples are quite flat when I take them out first to feed and nothing for there's nothing for baby to latch to any tips Um. there's a technique called
1: reverse pressure softening which is where you press around the base of the nipple with your fingers that can draw out the nipple there's also gadgets there's lots of gadgets okay. Um. some people once they do that and also just going back to the early days and breasts being full Um. Sometimes around the areola, which is the part around the nipple, can be really full and uncomfortable um when the baby latches because the baby tries to bite down on it. Um because it's it's so if you press back and you do that technique before then it can make it much more comfy.
0: Um one breast is producing more than the other, how best to manage? If the baby's doing okay, I wouldn't Okay. That's I wouldn't just yeah, yeah. um best tips to increase milk supply. Five week old baby so hungry.
1: Okay. So if this baby was in front of me and I was watching them feeding and they weren't like the weight wasn't OK and they weren't having dirty nappies and um, the mother was overwhelmed. The first thing I would say is swap sides more frequently. Mm-hmm. So don't stay on the one side. Don't go into the four milk, pine hind- milk myth. The best thing is your baby gets more milk and you do that by swapping boobs. OK. <laughs> frequently, like five minutes here, five minutes there. Sorry. And. Um, And what else? Um, Breast compressions are another way to really get more milk. While the baby is sucking. While the baby's sucking, you compress the breast and it kind of gives them a little bit of a push of milk. Um, And for the mother, I would say, you know, are are you, how are you? Yeah. You know, do you need do you need some extra sleep? Do you need somebody to take the baby while you can get a bank of sleep? Some people, you know, I think they feel like when they are exclusively breastfeeding, that they are exhausted. Yeah. um, like you can't you can't do the same amount that you would do. Yeah. It, it's an extra thing that's in your day. It's, it's you crazy. Know. It's so. Yeah, yeah. But we think that we can. We think we should be able to,
0: you know, do all the housework, look after the other kids And do everything else. Those first few weeks, like, I don't think I did anything else except breastfeed. Mm -hmm. I literally just sat under her. Yeah. And I wasn't even I didn't have a full supply, you know, but I don't know if that made it worse. But um, another person here and then we'll 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 finish up shortly. Baby pops on and off the breast during the day, not feeding for more than a few minutes by 4 p.m. (laughs) we will feed a little longer. Baby's four months old wet and dirty nappies sometimes let down is a little too much for her is this a developmental thing or a breastfeeding issue this is so common at four months it's yeah. like they just they 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 want to see what's going on
1: in the world yeah rory and does it too yeah. she'll like throw her head back <laughs> with, it the, with the nipple in their mouths and yank it back yeah. yeah um so it is very de- developmental you can as in you know they, they're more interested in what's going on and then they make up for it at night yeah um so i would say feed in quieter places I mean even if you can get two or three good feeds in during the day don't worry about the ones that are two minutes three minutes they all make a difference right is lanolin still considered safe to use on the nipple from birth yes absolutely lanolin yeah lanolin. it's like an ointment and um, there's other things there's lots of products now that we would use as well as that so um, there's yeah anything that's on the market is safe okay you know you're not going to find something in a pharmacy or a baby shop
0: so a lot of people here like can't get their babies to take a bottle. So how do you introduce a bottle at like four months or six months, just so that you can get some help? Is there is there a way?
1: Um, it's harder at that stage. Your baby has worked out how to breastfeed, and the bottle to them is like an alien. And mm-hmm. um, an alien. It's so also form. a question of four week old. Uh, yeah, to so four form. week old, you know, would generally be more receptive than a, than a four month old. Mm-hmm. Um, very dependent on the baby, um, and. So I think main things would be is not to starve them, not to leave them. That the mother does it. Your baby trusts you the most in the world, and so if you hand your baby over to somebody and they're trying to give the baby a bottle and forcing them, they're not going to do it. Okay. Um. And distraction. There was one more thing there. And I was trying to think of it. Um. Is it good when they're sleepy? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah when they're not quite aware of what they're doing. Like a dream. Also, feed. yeah. Don't expect them to take a lot. <laughs> okay. You know they're not going to horse down five ounces, or, or you know one hundred and fifty yeah. mils. They might take twenty mils. That's brilliant. As babies, a lot of breastfed babies actually don't take big volumes. They feed frequently. Yeah. With smaller volumes, and so their caregivers need to know that. Yeah, Rory's still like
0: that as well. Like, oh, yeah, I, we had a sleep consultant say, you know, oh, give her an eight ounce bottle five times a day, and she'll sleep through the night. I was like, an eight, she put no more drink an eight ounce bottle now. Um. So, had a C-section, advised rugby hold. I'm a shy person, but I find it's quite exposing in public. Any other tips? Oh. Yeah.
1: Have a look at the latching demo on my Instagram page so I go through how to latch a baby in a kind of I call it the coffee shop hold yeah. <laughs> where you, you know those mothers that you see and they look like they never had a problem and they're sitting there and they just pull their top up but you wouldn't even know that they were feeding yeah. they were all at home in the early days with their top off on the bed going this is ever gonna work <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah so
1: have a look at the latching demo on my Instagram and just try it and see at home whether you can just swing the baby around to the front and um, and latch them there because
0: i had a c section and I, you, it is okay you it's okay to do of course a non- yeah. Rugby hold. Yeah,
1: yeah 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 i um, think people are afraid that the baby's going to kick the wound or make it sore but it doesn't it's not a huge issue
0: um so does the size of your breasts matter i have big breasts and baby couldn't get latched right
1: yeah. So this is, you know, what I was talking about in the beginning about yep. where your nipple is located. Yeah. So sometimes we use what's called boob props, <laughs> yeah. which is where you roll up something and you put it underneath the breast just for the first week or two so that it's easier to see where your baby's latching. So somebody with large breasts, that generally helps really, really, that really makes a huge difference that if they can prop their breast up um, and see where the baby is actually going
0: on. Um. I'm sure you're inundated with questions I was inundated when I asked for that question box if people want to find out more get in touch with you see you come and see you for a consultation where can they find you
1: Um, breastfeedingsupport.ie is my website and on Instagram daily
0: (laughs) Nicola Lactation Consultant great thank you so much Nicola and thank you for your help with Rory you're welcome Uh, that is another episode from me my first one back thank you so much for listening get in touch with me on Instagram or however you want you can get in touch on Twitter either at Stephanie Preisner let me know what you thought of the podcast or any other topics that you want to get in touch with we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network we are producing today by Julie Hassett and our music is by Only Rune and our graphic design is by Kahalo Gara. see you next week if you are enjoying my podcast and you're enjoying my Instagram content and you think you know what how can I help Stephanie how can I support Stephanie I just want to give back you know there's a way there is a way Cam you can sign up to become a headstuff plus member it'll give you bonus content content extra episodes and you can sign up by going to headstuffpodcasts.com you become kind of one of the headstuff community at that point and you can get in touch with me get podcasts on demand whatever you want covered we'll cover it it's definitely worth a five or a month go for it